Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson skulle jag så bra som mig. Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Karlsson, Welcome everybody to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by a guy who would gladly take $7 million to go play in Chicago. And yeah, I know this is a Columbus episode, but Marco Chifley was mentioned, so it's fair game. I'm so happy that you've chosen to download this episode. You're not going to be disappointed because I had such a fantastic interview with Allison Lucan about the Columbus Blue Jackets. We covered the entire team. Allison had really fascinating insights. So yeah, that is coming to you very soon. But first, let me mention that we are presented by DauberHockey.com. I'm recording this Wednesday night, UFA day, and so it's been a crazy crazy day and if you go to Dabber Hockey you've got articles upon articles breaking down all the signings and trades and it's just if you want to be up to date on the fantasy impacts of everything going on obviously stay subscribed to Keeping Carlson and also make sure that you're over at DabberHockey.com and checking out all of their great work I also use Frozen Tools to prep the shows all the time so it's just like a great suite of things going on over at DabberHockey.com speaking of breaking down all of the trades and signings from today and actually the last few weeks uh, Brian and I are going to be coming back at you for a live show on Sunday and releasing that you know Monday morning uh, so we're I'm going to do my best to kind of like start uh, sorting all of the signings and moves by priority or of impact and and then we you know we'll put out a few of them on one show we'll get all the shows out in the end we're going to cover everything but first why don't you uh, take a seat relax and enjoy my awesome interview with Allison Lucan about the Columbus Blue Jackets Here it is. All right, everybody, really excited for today's episode of Keeping Carlson. We've got another installment of our 32 Beats interview series. And once again, we're bringing back a ringer that we talked to last year as well. We've got to cover the Columbus Blue Jackets, longtime friend of the podcast, hockey analytics expert, Allison Luke. And welcome back to the show, Allison. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be back. I always love to see who you guys bring in and all that you talk about. So it's a thrill to be here. Oh, that's so nice of you to say. Yeah, no, we've been excited for this interview, like, ever since uh, we started doing this again. Uh, I gotta ask, before we get into the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, we're recording this Wednesday night, UFA day. How has your day been covering this crazy day? I'm surprised you're able to make it onto the show in one piece. (laughs) Well, I owed you guys, because you've been wonderful, and you always are so helpful in saying, can we get together? Here's what we need. And I was like, listen this Columbus Blue Jackets team is going to look completely different. There's no sense talking about it until after at least the draft, if not free agency and the deadlines and all the good stuff. And so um, I appreciate that, but it's, it's crazy because it's different. You can be as prepared as you think, but you have no idea what's going to happen. And this year the floodgates just opened and you're trying to keep track of Twitter and social media and write what you need to write and do the analysis you need to do. And then like all of a sudden, all then all the GMs start having their press conferences and then you're like, okay, I can take a breath, but it's still not done. And that's, that's the other thing. You finally, it'll start to linger, but then it's never done. So um, it's an exciting time. It, it's kind of a, it's kind of a fun rem- reminder of what quote unquote normal hockey feels like, but it is in fact very crazy. Yeah, this is a wild day, and I guess there's still at least a couple more things to happen. Colorado still doesn't have a goalie, as far as I can tell. Columbus has know. one. They can they can sign one. That's true. Yeah, Columbus <laughs> has a couple, so we'll get to them. All right, so let's talk about the Blue Jackets. I'd love to just ask you about all the signings from today, but I guess that's uh, <laughs> got to save that for another time. But yeah, so I just listened back recently to our episode that we recorded last year about the Blue Jackets, and it felt like we I was listening to an episode about a completely different team. Like we were talking about a team that was coming off a really strong season, kind of went off the rails at the end due to a bunch of injuries, but you know they went on to lose to the eventual cup champion Lightning in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, That team was coached by John Tortorella. We talked about their star forwards in Pierre-Luc Dubois and Cam Atkinson. We talked about this potential diamond in the rough in Josh Anderson that people may have forgotten about. We talked about their future likely Norris winner in Seth Jones. Uh, Zach Wierenski was coming off a season where he led all of defensemen in goals. Uh, Their goalies, Corpusalo and Merzlikens, had been like among the tops of the league for stretches when they were healthy. It was like such a great year. Anyways, so I listened to that. Now fast forward to this year. I'm preparing this show and the Blue Jackets are coming off a season where they ended up at the bottom of the Central, tied with Detroit, and more than half of the players we talked about are gone. But uh, like, lucky for us, there's exciting new players that we'll be able to talk about. So it's not as if we just have a uh, half as long a show to record. So yeah, I guess the question I need to start with is like, what the heck happened? Like, can you break down what led to things going south so drastically, leading to this huge overhaul of the roster in such a short amount of time? 
Yeah, it it honestly was one of the craziest years. And I think, I mean, everything you said, like that is only the tip of the crazy iceberg of right. how crazy it all was. Um, because this team came in, we thought that this team was going to be a serious contender for the Central because they looked really nice on paper. They had performed so well as a group and the division looked like it could be something that they could really compete in. But something was off with this group from the beginning of the first game. I remember watching it, even in hindsight, and being like, what's going on? Um, and it was before camp that Pierre-Luc Dubois makes a trade request. Then he's gone. All of a sudden, that one move exposed a lot of weaknesses in this roster. And I think a lot of things that, quite frankly, everyone, I'm not going to point the finger at any one part of the organization, hadn't adequately planned for the, the absence of Josh Anderson and his physicality. Then you lose Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, there just seemed to be some issues with this team finding their chemistry in their effectiveness, whether it was COVID or I don't know what, but, um, it was a pretty quick downhill slide and it was, it was really rough. And I think emotionally for people who were invested in this team, it was particularly hard because sometimes you see this coming or, you know, Hey, that was an organization's last hurrah, or that was a group's last hurrah. And no one saw this coming. And I think so many marquee, at least for Columbus, uh, players have now left. And given COVID, so many of them never even had a a goodbye from the fan base or the community. So um, this past week is maybe the first time there's been able to be enthusiasm around the organization again, because it's it's been a rough go. And and I think um, we don't know for sure yet everything that went into what happened, I think, those who were involved owe it to themselves to dig deeper and find out what happened, but it's going to take some time till we put the pieces together. Ultimately the roster just didn't, didn't work. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point you bring up. Like interesting to think of like a team that you expected to do well and then does poorly must feel a lot worse. And like, if you're a fan of Detroit, we knew going into the season that they weren't going to be good. Kind of reminds me of when the Sharks got Carlson, they went on that long playoff run. And the next year just, they were terrible. It's like, what happened? I thought they're supposed to be good. hundred uh, percent. But like you said, I guess there's things to look forward to. They just had a draft where they drafted three times in the first round. They've made all of these moves. So I guess before we start digging into the specific players, like what's your sense of how this team is looking right now, like going into next season? Should we expect them to once again be among the worst in the league? Or do you think these offseason moves by Kekalainen were savvy enough to get this team like back into playoff contention like right away? Or do you think it's going to take some time? I think that the offseason moves by Yarmo and his team were very savvy. But I think that they were savvy, not just because they were good moves, but they're savvy for the next window, which isn't next year. Okay. <laughs> um, I think this is an organization, um, you know, the word on the street, I'm not a draft expert, but the word on the street is that the next two years draft classes have some of the greatest depth, but also some of the most elite talent. There's two exceptional status players coming in the next two years. Um, I think that this is an organization that's building towards their next window opening in two to three years and not hopefully a minute before so that they can capitalize on some young talent to draft in addition to what they got this year. So good moves, but wait for them to be a good current team for, for a little bit longer. Okay. So fans of the blue jackets, like you're almost like cheering for them not to be too good, too quickly. Right. Some, some of these players they brought in are pretty good. And we'll talk about them. Like just in the past couple of weeks, we've got like Atkinson traded for Voracek, Seth Jones on the move. I just listened to your episode with Dmitry Filipovich breaking down the Seth Jones trade where you're like, you like Seth Jones, maybe even more than a lot of the analytics community, but not enough to prefer him over all these picks and Adam Volkvist and that contract he got anyways. Yeah. And cool. then, uh, uh, they got Jake Beans. Yeah, let's let's get into it. Let's talk, I, I'm glad that we have you, who's like you're more of like a general analyst as opposed to like only covering Columbus, because we're going to be talking about all these players who haven't even donned Columbus uh, jerseys yet. So you know the full league. But I guess well, let's start with someone who has played for Columbus for most of a season, and that's Patrick Line. So you brought it up like early in the season. Uh, this crazy trade happens. They trade Pierre Luc Dubois to Winnipeg for Line and Jack Roslovic. Uh, Line had been coming off like a really strong bounce back season of his own in 2019-20. He pays for 76 points after putting up only like a 50-point pace the year before. We all assumed Line a, when he came to, you know, Columbus, we thought he'd like step into the Pierre-Luc Dubois role, like not in terms of position, but like as the star of the team. And of course, things didn't go exactly as planned. Like uh, Line a actually did have a strong start. He had six goals and four assists in his first 10 games. Uh, but then he cooled off in a big way. His time on ice was bouncing all over the place. He was getting benched for periods at times. Uh, and the season ended with Line a finishing with only uh, 12 goals and 24 points in 46 games. So that's a 43-point pace, uh, the lowest of 
of his career. He also only averaged 1.8 shots per game when he'd normally been like a three-shot per game guy. So in terms of fantasy, this guy just totally fell off. In fact, also uh, his plus minus, for whatever it's worth to anyone listening, like he was at minus 28. That ranked him fifth behind four Sabres and Nolan Patrick. Uh, so Phew. yeah, uh, so all of that to say, like part of me still wants to write off this bad season as just being like, ah, Tortorella, you know what it's like. And like COVID, it was a weird season. But like how much of Line's plummeting production can we just attribute to Torts versus him just like not being as good a player as he was on the Jets? Yeah, I, you know, this is, and I think I've, I've done this before with y'all, like I'll defend Torts here. Um, Torts uh. certainly was going to push the player. That's who Torts is. But uh, this to me was, again, you know, I talked about how we saw this roster was just not well constructed. Um, this was a fault of a, putting a Lamborghini in the hands of, let's say someone who, you know, lives out in the rural country <laughs> and, and drives over unpaved roads all day long in the sense that Patrick Laine didn't shoot and Patrick Laine didn't score because no one could get Patrick Laine the puck. Um, if you watched the Blue Jackets power play, even, you know, a place that above all else he was supposed to shine, opponents quickly figured out that if they just smothered the other Blue Jackets skaters on the ice, no one could get the puck away to get it to line A. And so he just stood over there completely uncontested and no one got a shot off, least of all Patrick Line. So this was a group of players that couldn't play with the way Line needs to play. And that's, you know, in part, not directly in terms of commenting on who Cam Atkinson is, but Cam Atkinson was the trade piece that got the asset that the Columbus hopes can help line a now in Jake Voracek, who is more of a playmaker and can get the puck to a Patrick line a because line a certainly could have done some things better. There's no question of that in my mind. He is a huge frame. I think he could have been a little bit more physical. He could have been a little bit more forceful when he did have the puck on his stick, but I don't hang the whole thing on him. I think he was not, supported by the types of players that he needs to be successful because of who he is as a player. Right. Yeah. I guess being centered by Mark Shifley is a little bit better than I guess his most common line. It was actually someone who was a former teammate of his in Jack Roslovic, yes. uh, who, by the way, had uh, like the opposite fate as line A. Like one nice story about the Blue Jackets last season is Jack Roslovic, who ended up having a career year on his new team. He started super strong, 28 points in his first 36 games on Columbus. Uh, he slowed down a little bit at the end, but he still ended up with 34 points in 48 games. That's a 58-point pace, like crushing his previous career high. Uh, he saw like two minutes more ice time per game than in the previous year. I uh, was getting like top power play time. Also, like, t- yeah, 10 of his 34 points were on the power play. So obviously he got that role and he he was, you know, doing well there. So do you think what we saw from Roslovic was for real? We can expect another like 55 to 60 point pace guy. Is he like the top line center on this team? I'm looking through the depth chart. I don't really see any like odds on favorites for a top line center. So maybe it could be him again. <laughs> it, maybe it could be. You don't you don't know. You know, I think I, I like Jack Roslovic. Good for him. I mean, most people didn't even talk about him, myself included, um, In the trade, when the yeah. trade when the trade happened. And, you know, I, I what I want to see from him is I think that he had a couple things going for him and good for him in that he finally had opportunity. You know, this is a player who maybe didn't get as much ice time, didn't get as many top six minutes as he could have that he got in Columbus when he was in Winnipeg. You get that new team burst, you get that new opportunity burst, and he made the most of it. Um, I think as far as a center, he still has some work to do, particularly on the faceoff dot, shoring up the two-way play. I don't know what he'll be long-term, but I think he's shown that he's a solid player and can be a really good contributing piece of the puzzle. I think that with full respect to Jack Roslovic, when you're a contender, your top two centers are probably even better than Jack Roslovic. But with the way this roster is now, he's earned a look. You know, Max Domi's out till December because he had shoulder surgery. So even someone who may have potentially been slotted in there, you know, who who knows what's going to happen here. Um, I could see Jack Roslovic as, as C1 or C2 to start the season. Right, until and maybe even for the season, until like, yeah, some of these prospects and players come in. And like you say, it makes sense that you'd want your team to have maybe better options if they're going to be cup contenders. Uh, by the way, just circling back to line A. So we've been doing this uh, exercise with the patrons of the podcast. Where, like every year, we kind of rank players for fantasy. Like we vote a new player in every day. So going into last season, we had Patrick Line ranked 24th, and that ended up being like a huge bust. Now today, we're voting on player 50. Line A doesn't even have a vote yet. He's not even on the radar. Uh, so I guess I just thought you, you brought some reason for up optimism that like maybe playing with Voracek things will be better like do you what are your thoughts like you play Mm, fantasy Uh, how high are we drafting Patrick Liney what should we expect from him yeah you know I don't know that 
Hmm, this is hard. I, I just feel like it, it again, it's not him. It's unfortunate that it's going to hit his stock in fantasy and as a player. I don't think he's going to reach his full potential even this year, just because of the cast of characters that are is around him. Um, so for me, if I have room on my bench, he might be, be someone who I come in as a specialist. He might be someone I come in to, you know, manipulate a schedule or a lower game night when I know I can slot him in. Cause he's certainly going to get the minutes. He's probably going to be better with shot count. And when he can get the puck, I think he's going to score because he does have that powerful shot. I just think his overall volume is still going to be lower just because of what Columbus is all about this year. I see. Okay. I could imagine some people thinking, oh, this is like a great sleeper candidate. You know, everyone's forgotten about it, but you're saying like, you know, advise caution. Yeah. And again, like, but if he, if he moves to a different team or if something crazy happens with this roster, I definitely look I, I'm not saying he's done as a player. It's just right. the situation he's in. Yeah, maybe this year. Uh, yeah. So you brought up uh, Max Domi. So this is another guy who came last summer after we recorded our interview. Uh, so he came from the Habs for Josh Anderson. Yeah. Um, there's no way to sugarcoat this. Like Domi, maybe even worse than Line, like really struggled under Coach Tortorella. He too put up his worst offensive season of his career, only 24 points in 54 games. It's a 36-point pace. That's like nothing for fantasy. You don't even talk about this person on the podcast. But I have to bring him up because he used to be someone that we thought was going to be a good player. I think he had like 70 plus points on the Habs a couple seasons ago. Uh, so his time on ice all over the map, just like Line A, uh, saw the least power play time on ice of his career. Only three mm-hmm. power play points in the whole season for Max Domi. And then, of course, to make matters worse for anyone hoping to see him have success in Columbus, like you said, he currently is injured. He underwent shoulder surgery back at the beginning of June. He's expected to be out like five to six months, so he'll miss at least a month of the season. But I guess uh, let's first reflect on last season. Like, what happened with Max Domi? Is this just another case of someone not fitting in, or is he just not like as good anymore as he once was expected to be. Yeah, I think, you know, I think at the root of it, I think people still don't really know what Max Domi is. Um, And so he's kind of been all over the map. He's also been all over the map positionally. So, you know, for Max Domi, for me, this is someone, here's what I would probably watch with Max Domi. Number one, let's see how the power play looks under new coaching. There's a whole new coaching staff in Columbus. The power play was just trash under John Tortorella for forever. So if he yeah. can, un- if, if the new coaching staff can unlock something with this squad, I think the power play in Columbus could have some nice sleeper candidates because no one's going to be looking at it because they're used to it being abysmal and the team overall is probably not going to be great. So what is the power play doing is Max Domi on the power play. And then here's what I would look for when Max Domi returns, um, because I don't wonder, and not enough people are talking about it, in my opinion, Max Domi's shoulder injury is the same one that sidelined Gustav Nyquist last year right. and took Josh Anderson out. Um, and it's, when we hear about the impact of this kind of injury and this surgery, it's, it's significant. And so I don't wonder if Max Domi was struggling from maybe the lead up to the significant injury this season, and that was hampering him. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm willing to entertain it. And so when he comes back, I would expect him to be more effective and I would watch for him on the power play. What is the power play doing? And I would watch to see if he gets on a line with Oliver Bjorkstrand because Oliver Bjorkstrand is probably your best bet offensively right now on this roster in terms of consistently producing, consistently shooting. And towards the end of the season, Domi and Bjorkstrand had some really good chemistry. And I think that that could lead to, if not primary points, secondary points for Domi. And so I would look for that lineup choice. If it happens, I'd be watching for Domi to pick him up before, give it, pick him up, give him a chance and then drop him quick. If he's nothing, but see if he can strike some of that old magic at being at hundred percent health. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I feel like Line A, you'll have to draft him at some point. Like, he's not going to go undrafted, but Max Domi might actually be a free agent until he comes off of his injury. So that's what we'll watch for, for him to play with Bjorkstrand and rekindle some of that magic. Uh, Bjorkstrand, it's pretty wild, by the way, that we're saying that Bjorkstrand is the top option to play with and not Patrick Line A. I know. But you brought up also uh, Gustav Nyquist. So, yeah, I wonder if people listening remember that he's still on this team. It feels like forever ago that he played. Uh, so he signed that four-year, 5.5 million AAV deal back in 2019. He had a decent first season with the team, like 42 points in 70 games. That's like a, around a 50-point pace. Uh, so like you said, he had that shoulder surgery. He ended up missing the entire season. I tried to search around. I couldn't find much info on Nyquist. Like, do we know if we should be expecting him to return to the team next season? Yeah, we should. In fact, you know, this was a situation where the organization made the decision because it was March, mid to late March, like, why are we going to make this guy come back for 
truly meaningless hockey. Mm -hmm. And why not just give him a full season to recover? It was a decision made by the organization and the player from what I understand. So I expect him to be back at full health. And this is a player too, much like Bjorkstrand, where I would expect consistency from him. He's not going to be a top line producer, but he's probably going to be getting some of the bigger minutes on this roster just because of who else is on this roster. And, you know, people use the term glue guy all the time, but I mean it truly tactically. This is a guy who makes little touch passes, sees open players. And so if we talk about a guy who's going to be helping to create shots, helping to create scoring chances, and hopefully that means points, Nyquist is a guy I'd look at. I'd also consider him probably being a special teams guy, definitely on the power play. John Tortorella really liked him on the penalty kill. Now that was, again, a different coaching regime. So there might be some work there too. Um, But Nyquist should be back full health. And I'd bet on him to be what he was before. Oh, cool. Okay, so I guess I'll try to talk through with you some more players just so everyone's like familiar with who's on this roster because I think it's really hard for a lot of people to remember like who's even on Columbus right now. But definitely yeah. at some point, we should try to like figure out, like maybe come up with our top six predictions oh, and see okay. who's going to play with who. But okay, let's keep going through this roster here. So you mentioned how Jacob Voracek came in for Cam Atkinson and hopefully this is going to help Patrick Laine. So uh, Voracek is someone who's very interesting. He started his career in Columbus, was mm-hmm. traded, you know, a long time ago and now he comes back to his original team he's had a very successful 10 years as a flyer in between he broke the 80 point barrier a couple times he's settled into like a solid 65 70 point guy over the last three seasons which would be you know leading columbus in scoring most years when they didn't have panarin anyways uh, most recently voracek had 43 points in 53 games last season in his age 30 seasons that's a 67 point pace uh, so of course it's hard to compare voracek to atkinson like atkinson's like you said more of a goal scorer voracek's a playmaker I'm still curious to see like it sounds from what you said like this trade is a win just because voracek is going to hopefully help unlock some scoring potential from Patrick Line. Does that also mean you're currently predicting that Voracek is going to be playing like top line minutes with Line? Yes. <laughs> Short answer, yes. Right. And, you know, I think if, if there are points to be coming from Line, I would suspect that at least for the first big chunk of games, Voracek is going to be part of that. And we know this about him. He's not going to produce shots, but he is going to produce helpers and he's going to be on the ice for those points. I would also suspect that Voracek will be part of the power play. So I would look for that angle with him as well. Um, he he very well could be the top point producer on Columbus again. Who's to say? <laughs> yeah, that's going to be hard to predict. There's like a lot of potential options. But let's talk about the one that you said before you think is currently the front runner and Oliver Bjorkstrand. Finally, someone who we actually talked about on the show yes. last season. So yes. we get to rekindle the conversation here. So he had that monster run at the end of 2019-20. He had 30 points in his final 30 games before his season was cut short with an injury. Uh, and while Bjorkstrand didn't continue producing like a point per game pace this past year, he still was like under the radar, like a really productive player. And in fantasy, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people were like, oh, Bjorkstrand's not on the top power play. Oh, what a disappointment. But he still ended up with 44 points in 56 games for a 64-point pace, which is a career high for him. And though I guess on the downside his shots were a little bit down like I'm just nitpicking here he went down to 2.6 shots per game instead of uh, 3.3 the year before Uh, so he was a little bit less valuable in fantasy but anyways are we at a point now where what we saw from Bjorkstrand this past season as a 25 year old is a good reflection of what we should be expecting his ceiling to be moving forward like a 60 to 65 point guy or do you think there's still room for him to grow and be this like point per game guy that we saw a glimpse of a couple seasons ago yeah you know I I, yes I do think that he's he's the guy and particularly if you can still produce with what that roster looked like at the end of last season. (laughs) Um, You're, you're the guy. So I would give him that. And I think that, you know, any escalation in his scoring rates is going to be due to the quality of team around him. I mean, there were points last year when Columbus couldn't even get the puck out of their own zone. And we all know if you can't get the puck out of your own zone, there's no way a player like Oliver Bjorkstrand is shooting, let alone scoring. Um, I think that this team will be a little more efficient effective just because they're going to be more cohesive, even if they're not great. Um, I would expect him to be what he has been, but he probably won't see major bursts again, unless there's some big trade, some big infusion of talent or the entire team around him starts to get better. Right. Okay. I guess, is it possible that if Voracek and Line don't click, like maybe you could have Voracek feeding to Bjorkstrand. That wouldn't be so bad either, I guess. A hundred percent. I think that, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about this guy too. I think that when you look at players to be fed by Voracek and Jarmo Kekalainen has said this, it's Line, Bjorkstrand, Emil Bemstrom. You know, Ah. these are the guys who the organization considers their scorers. They're guys with the big dangerous shots. And so a hundred percent, and I would even consider that, 
unless line A and Voracek massively takes off that even within normal line shuffling that we could see Voracek and Borkstrand together time to time. Okay, and then you bring up Emil Bemstrom. He's actually not someone I had uh, slated to talk about just because, you know, he did, like, show us glimpses of being something, like, in 2019-20, but then last season he only played 20 games. He had five points, like, kind of a non-factor, wasn't even playing more than 13 minutes a game. Is yep. that someone that you think is going to be, like, making the team and, like, being a Blue Jacket all season? Well, I think he's going to make the team just because of, of what this organization is doing right now. And I think, you know, we're, we're, we're running out of time for Emil Bemstrom, um, to show that he can, he's, he remains tremendously impactful overseas. Um, it's just bringing that game to North American ice. Now, again, maybe Voracek helps unlock something with him because his shot is impressive, particularly on the power play. We saw that in the bubble playoffs, um, when he was really playing well. Um, but I would, I would proceed with caution with him. I think he's going to get a look. And I think if he shows anything, they're going to give him a chance. But I don't think he's going to have as long of a leash this year. Okay, I see. Hey, everybody, I'm just going to step away for just a sec so I can tell you about a really cool thing going on with our podcast network, Blue Wire, called Blue Wire Hustle. So if you love listening to us here on Keeping Carlson, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. They're going to take care of all of that. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate that any other hosting site would charge you for the initial setup. And you're getting it and all these perks with Blue Wire Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, though, so get your application in today. If you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team, make your voice heard in Hustle. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. And I guess they all have another young player that we talked about last year as being a potential breakout candidate. We actually asked you about Bamstrom, uh, Liam Foodie, and mm-hmm. Alex Texier. And you oh. answered that Alex, Alex Texier, Texier yep. is your favorite of the three anyways. Yeah. And I I was like running with that, not only because of what you said, but I was like picking him as one of my big sleeper picks going into the year. I thought, oh, he's going to play with Pierre-Luc Dubois, which obviously didn't work out, but like they had looked good in the playoffs together the previous year. Anyway, he actually started pretty strong he had goals in each of the second third and fourth games of the season but then like everything kind of fell apart for Texier like I don't know again I just kind of want to blame Tortorella like his time on ice and deployment jumped all over the map it's like every player when I look at their time on ice game log it just is you go from like 18 minutes to 12 minutes to 22 to like 13 it's wild Uh, but yeah in the end he only had 15 points in 49 games so clearly not the breakout sophomore season that I was hoping for so uh, Texier was someone like I said you were pretty high on in our interview last year like how do you think he looked last season beyond on just the score sheet like is there still reason to believe this guy can be a significant part of the roster moving forward and being an impact guy yeah and you know it's funny they just signed him to i believe it's a two-year extension today um and again you know it's easy to pick on torts but you know you lose your top line center whatever it was 10 games into the season and everything starts to fall apart from there so texier doesn't even have pierre-luc dubois around let alone it's not that he's not playing with him and because pierre-luc dubois left and there were injuries, all of a sudden, Alexander Texier's development into a center was rushed, as opposed to seeing if that was something he was going to do. All of a sudden, it was like, okay, we've got to make Alexander Texier a center now. Mm-hmm. So all of that to say, I think he's going to be a fixture on the in the lineup. I think he's going to be a part of the organization going forward. From a fantasy perspective, I don't know that he'd be top of my list this year, however, because I don't know how much he is directly going to be involved in scoring plays. I think if if this roster is going to be focused on growth and development of young players like we think, that's going to mean Alexander Texier learning how to play center, which doesn't necessarily mean Alexander Texier being effective at center just yet. And I think the organization's okay with that. And long term, that'll be worth it. But I don't know that he's going to be in, particularly from a fantasy perspective, productive just yet. Now, watch him prove me wrong. I think he will be long term, but not this year. Okay, well, you don't want to be wrong about Texas two years in a row with the exact opposite. I know. Well, no, this is the right way to be wrong, though. I'll take this way. Right, yeah. It reminds me of when Marion Hosa like went to Detroit and lost in the finals to Pittsburgh, and the next year went to Pittsburgh and lost in the finals to Detroit. Exactly. 
Uh, okay, so, okay, we've talked about a bunch of these fours. Now, let's try to figure out, like, who this top six could even be on this Columbus team. Like, oh, is, yes. is Texier a front runner to be in the top six? Like, I'm kind of seeing it as, like, uh, you've brought up, you know, Voracek and Line so That could be a pair of wingers. And then yep. Bjorkstrand and Nyquist. Maybe yep. that's, like, two sets. Now we just need the centers, right? So Roslovic, Line and Voracek. And then Bjorkstrand with Nyquist and, and Texier. Does that sound right? <laughs> Let's see. We, I know. I, I literally had to pull up cat friendly to look at this because it's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, mm, I mean, Sean Corrali, who was acquired today, could. I mean, he's probably not meant to be a top two center, but while Domi, I think when Domi comes back, Domi's going to get a look. Right. At, at one, at probably one or two, but to start, Corrali could be up there. Rosovic's up there. Um, I would say. All right. So our top line is Line Roslovic. Voracek. Oof. Our second line <laughs> is Bjorkstrand, Nyquist, and let's say, I again, you know, training camp proves everything, but I would guess in this moment that it's Sean Corrali with a potential challenge from Alexander Texier. How's that? Uh, I mean, sounds good. <laughs> Definitely not someone that was on my radar at all. So you heard it here first, Sean Corrali, a top six I center. Know. I think they'll try it. I think they'll try it. I got to go check and see if Corrali's available in my dynasty league. I don't even know. I mean, the, okay. The other option too, though. So here's what I think they're going to, I think here's what they want. They want it to be Sean Corrali or Alexander Texier. But if both fail miserably, then you're looking at Boone Jenner possibly going there as well. Oh yeah. So Boone Jenner just got extended for another yes. four years. Yes. So he, like, so five years from now, he'll still be on the team. He got injured uh, midway through last season or kind of near the end of the year. Uh, like, was that a big loss for the team? Like Boone Jenner is someone that like back a long time ago, like when Brian and I started this podcast, you know, he, Jenner had that big 30 goal season, 2015, yep. 16. And it was like, this guy's amazing. Like for fans, he had like shots, hits, like face-off wins, blocks, like goals. And then like, since then he's just kind of settled into middling, like, I guess like middle six, like not huge producer. You yeah. actually, in our, in our episode last year, I asked you at the end to predict like who's going to be the biggest disappointment, and you chose Boone Jenner as your Aww. pick. Well, you had to pick someone. You definitely I weren't know. wrong. <laughs> well, there you go. No, I yeah, I think you know, I think Bo- the, what how you just described Boone is Boone. That's what, how Boone plays. I think his major value add is on special teams. Um, so he's going to be a specialist in that way. But yeah, ultimately, he's at his best middle six on the wing. But because he's probably going to have to play at least some center this year, it's probably going to stunt his five-on-five production a little bit more for now. Right, I see. Well, you'll get face-off wins at least if your league counts. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Actually, yes, he'll be the he's he's the guy. Well, under Torts, I don't know what um, Larson will do. He was the go take the face off and then get the heck off the ice so I can get (laughs) the offensive guys out there. So the wins, yeah, he might be out there for that. Interesting. Okay. All right. So I guess we've covered the forwards uh, pretty succinctly, or not even succinctly. What's the opposite of succinctly? Pretty uh, verbosely. Verbosely. <laughs> so let's switch over to D. Uh, okay. So I mentioned at the top how it feels like so long ago that we talked about Zach Wierenski leading the d- league in goals for defensemen 2019-20, but that was actually kind of disingenuous because I looked last year, he was on a similar pace, actually. He had seven goals in 35 games before he got hurt. So that's a 16-goal pace mm-hmm. over 56 games. And that would have, if he scored 16 goals, that would have tied him with Darnell Nurse to be second in the league behind league leader Jacob Chikrin. By the way, third place was Jeff Petrie. And like, who would have predicted that the top three in goals were going to be Jacob Chikrin, Darnell Nurse, and Jeff Petrie? That's like a wild thing on its own. But uh, yeah, of course, things are going to be quite different next season. Like, Wierenski's been playing with Seth Jones forever on the top pairing. Uh, So how do you think Wierenski is going to continue to perform, like, not playing with Seth Jones? He's in a post-Jones world. Uh, Who do you expect to be Wierenski? he's deep pairing do you think he could continue to produce like he was before yeah i well i and for me honestly if i was drafting my team i would draft zach Rensky. i'm not hesitant to draft him i think that who he is as a player is innately good enough that he's still a good add to have he's going to see power play time he, i don't know that he'll see penalty kill time but that doesn't really matter um but he's going to be a point producer that's his role I think that where they're going to start, and to your point, it's going to take some figuring out who he slots in with. So, you know, is it Jake Bean from, who's, who's joining the team from Carolina? It's certainly not going to be Adam Boquist because I think Adam Boquist is going to be the offensive challenge on the second pair. Um, is Vladislav Gavrikov going to come up and play with Zach Rensky? Because part of what made Wierenski and Jones so successful is Jones was the defensively responsible partner 
while Zach went up and did his roving, as John Tortorella called it. So I think he's still really good. I think he will produce still. I, again, I would take him on my team. There's going to be a feeling out period. And unless this team stinks to high, high, high heaven and just can't even get their act together, Zach Rutsky is probably going to be one of the top point producers on the team next year, in my opinion. Um, so I would, I would stick with him even if there's a rough start. Yeah, well, I guess one nice thing that you don't have to worry about is him potentially losing power play time to another defenseman. Like sometimes Seth Jones would take over. Now it's like, True. I can't imagine. Though I guess Adam Boquist was. That's Boquist top- is, yeah. Boquist is rumored to be in the, but you need two. You need two. So we'll oh, yeah. see. I guess it depends what kind of team you are. If you're running like two even power plays or if you're like Washington or something, just like going with the top unit all the time. But right. yes, let's talk about uh, these new players, Boakfist and Jake Bean that you brought up. So yeah, Boakfist is the big like player that came back in that Seth Jones trade. And he's already played 76 games in his two-year career so far, 29 points in those 76 games, including 10 on the power play. He's only been averaging like, around 17 minutes of time on ice in Chicago. So we haven't really seen, I guess, like his full potential yet, which, may- which is fair because he's like been a teenager. Right. So what are you? What are your thoughts on Bokvist as a D prospect at this point? Like, should we be expecting those minutes to go up next season in Columbus? And then I guess you'd expect his point totals to follow suit. Yeah. You know, again, I think that in my opinion, and no one has said it this directly, I think this is going to be a development year for these young players. And because of that, I think a guy like Boquist is going to get a ton of opportunity. And as long as he can handle it, and that doesn't mean he has to be a superstar, but as long as he can handle it and show development, I think he holds on to it. And I think, again, he's going to be an offensive producer separated from Morensky, which means that ice time is probably going to be a little bit more evenly distributed as well. So as long as he doesn't screw it all up, if he is what everyone thinks he is, I would see his minutes go up a little bit, stay consistent, and points to come from it. And I do agree with you. I think he's going to get a look on the power play don't know. I, I would assume to start Zach will quarterback power play one, but you know, Seth used to quarterback power play one when he was here. So who's to say if Boquist doesn't, it shows up to be just this tremendous producer there and to save ice time. And depending on where they are in, in, in the shifts, Boquist could be out there just as much too. Interesting. Okay. And I guess uh, this isn't the Chicago podcast, but I already talked to Mark Lazarus. I don't want to try to yeah. ask him to get him back for just one show, but uh, yeah. so Seth Jones now on Chicago, like, uh, you know, contract aside, like, whatever, just in terms of, like, straight fantasy, like, I'm, like, salivating over what this guy should be able to do on Chicago, you know, on the power play with Patrick Kane and Debrinket and, like, Jonathan Taves mm-hmm. should be back. Like, do you have a projection? Like, how, how excited should we be about Seth Jones for next year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I like I, I am on record. I like the player. I like the player more than I think analytics sometimes portray him. But as I mentioned on, on uh, Dimitri's podcast, I think that Seth could be great. And I think some of the moves that Chicago has been making in these past couple of days make me a little more optimistic. When he first went there, I was like, mm, like, yeah, fine. There's Taze and Kane, but then there's like nobody else. Right. Um, but they've, they've made some interesting moves, particularly if they do get flurry to come and suit up um, that makes a big impact. And as long as Jones feels that the team is being defensively responsible around him, I think he will produce more. But, you know, as I mentioned, he was the defensively responsible guy when he played with Orensky. And I think he takes that very seriously. He would always say things like, I'm a defenseman first, even before you talk about jumping up in the play or joining the rush or anything like that. So I think that if he feels like the team can't hold it, he may potentially try and take on even more, which would be a bad decision and obviously impact his production. Um but uh, let's be optimistic. I think okay. I think I think Seth will be. I think Seth will definitely see a point increase from last year. He'll be on the power play. Um, the thing is with Seth, he's not a big point producer guy, right? Like that's not his thing. Um, but he might get a lot. He might get quite a bit more assists. I could see that coming. Um, his ice time though will probably go down for people who are used to what he does because I think he might be. Well, he might. I think the right choice is for his ice time to go down a little bit, but it's possible it stays the same we'll see yeah i guess like looking at the depth chart on chicago exactly PD, yeah exactly connor murphy uh yeah. caleb jones who they got yeah. for duncan keith i don't know I don't oh they signed jake mccabe today so well there you something. go uh, but okay, I guess back to the Blue Jackets here. Uh, so you also brought up Jake Bean, who's in the picture now. He's a 2016 13th overall pick from the Canes. That I don't know. I'm dumb. I guess I don't know much about prospects. Like, I was under the impression that he's supposed to be a high end prospect in the Canes yeah. system. Then yeah. all of a sudden he's like he's like left unprotected for for Seattle. And I was like, oh, what a slam dunk! Like Carolina's so dumb. I know. Then like Seattle doesn't even take him. 
I know. So I'm looking at him. I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with this guy, like, uh, that no one wants him. He, he put up great numbers in Charlotte of the AHL in mm-hmm. the previous couple of seasons. Then last year, he finally got to be a full-time NHLer. Uh, his opportunity was pretty limited, kind of like Bogvist. It was even less. He was averaging only like 14 and a half minutes per game in the 42 games he played. So, yeah, it sounds like from what you're saying, you concur with me. Though I don't really know. It's not like I know that much about Jake Bean, but... Right. Am I right that, like, Carolina and Seattle's loss is Columbus's gain in the 23-year-old Jake Bean? A hundred percent. I mean, when, you know, I was with you, I was like, you know, my initial guess was Seattle was going to see if they could get Dougie. And if they couldn't, of course they were going to take Bean. Of course they were. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, again, let's look at what Columbus is all about this year, we think. Development and young players getting opportunity. This is perfect for Jake Bean. This is exactly what he needs. And he comes in. And I think, again, like I said, I think he might get a look on the top pair if he can earn that. Um, it, it, it It's a cliche, but this is a guy that he will make his own opportunity because he's going to get it if he can hold on to it. Um, I'm optimistic for what he will do. He'd probably be a depth pick for me if I had better options. You know, I'd, I I wouldn't fight for this guy right off the bat. But if we start to see a production uptick early, I might snag him before the rest of the league catches on or my league catches on. Because again, in Columbus, if you're a young player that shows promise, you're going to get quite a few looks. Yeah, well, also, I guess I'm looking at the D depth chart here. And aside from the three we've talked about in Wierenski, Bogvist, and Jake Bean, like who is even filling out this uh, six-person defense squad? Like you brought up Gavrikov, who can play with Bogvist maybe. Yeah. Who's the bottom pairing? Yeah, I mean, Gavrikov has actually been quite good. So I, I'm not, I, I, he's definitely top four for me. Um, bottom pair, I'm high on Andrew Peak. Um, I was surprised he didn't get more looks last year, to be honest, with what we saw from him two years ago before he had to leave. He was playing NHL minutes and then he broke a finger and he had to leave and then never earned his way back into the lineup and didn't play hardly at all last year. But I'm high on Andrew Peak. Um, I'm also a fan of Dean Kukin. I think he's a modern defenseman, has good puck movement skills. I think he could shoot the puck more. Uh, you're probably going to see Scott Harrington in and out of the lineup because they, that's just what happens with Scott Harrington. He's a journeyman. He's been there for forever. Um, Gabriel Carlson's the mystery. He's the one I'd have the least confidence in only because of how the organization has treated him. Not a ton of ice time. First round draft pick, but hasn't really blown the doors off since. So I think if you look at the rotation, when Columbus is bringing these young guys, he's going to be at the the end of the line. But my pick right now is uh, Kukin and Peak. Right. I th- like this definitely to me seems like the place where I'd be a little concerned, but like yeah, yeah. M- maybe uh, it could go well. By the way, is the reason you like Kuken because if you replace the K with an L, then you got oh, Kuken? Listen, there have been so many typos in lineups and things. And, and I've actually talked to him about it. And I'm like, isn't this hilarious? He's like, no, I've heard about it. It's not funny. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I actually He's a good guy, just... though. He's a good guy. I just said that joke because I know Brian likes these types of jokes. I don't even think it's funny either. Oh, no, no. Trust me. It's a joke because I'll send the tweet or something and then I'll go off like into the locker room or something. And then all of a sudden my mentions are blowing up. They're like, you're in the lineup. What position are you playing? I'm like, damn it. So autocorrect is not my friend. Uh, okay, so I guess uh, what else should we talk about here? The prospects, right? I guess you said you're not like a draft expert. We, mm-hmm. we should mention. So they just got Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger, and Corson Coleman's in the draft here in the first round. Uh, everyone's saying that Columbus did a really good job in this draft, right? Like they're excited about the, the future. Because when I looked at a lot of prospect lists like that were made before this draft, it's like Columbus is like at the bottom of the league in terms of teams with the best prospect depth. So Rightly so, is, yeah. And now it's changing, right? Yes, yes. And, and the good picks, again, we don't expect expect to see any of these guys coming into the lineup this year. Um, so good picks, but they're a couple years away. But the, the cupboard was pretty bare, not just in terms of quality, but quantity. And that's part of why this draft was so good for Columbus. Nice. And then I guess some other names. Maybe I could just throw like a, a bunch of names at you. And then you can just let me know if any of them jump out at you as someone who okay. might make an impact next year. Okay. There's like Liam Foodie, 18th overall pick in 2018. Mm. Mm. We'll see. Okay. Uh, Yegor Chinakov, uh, 21st overall pick in 2020. He had 17 points in 32 games in the KHL last year as a 20-year-old. So this is supposed to be the great big hope, but I'm reserving judgment until I actually see him play with my own eyes, which I have not yet seen. Okay, that's fair. And then I've also seen Kirill Marchenko listed on a bunch of lists. 49th overall pick in 2018. Uh, also was in the KHL last year. 28 points in 41 games. It's supposed to be good, but my understanding is he's staying in Russia. I do believe. I don't think he's oh. coming over this year. I'm not sure. I think that's correct. 
All right, so we have to wait a little bit longer for Marchenko. Yes. Uh, there's a defenseman I saw, uh, Samuel Knazko, yeah, was no, on some list. No? Nothing yet. Nothing okay, yet. And, and then let's end in goal here. So yes. I guess there's a goalie, there's a goalie prospect in Daniil Tarasov. Yes. But as of now, Columbus, I guess, doesn't need him because they still have two good goalies in Elvis Merzlikens or Yunus Corposalo. Though, I don't even know if I'm correct in saying two good goalies because the stats do not look that way for Yunus Corposalo from last year. After that incredible run 2019-20, yeah. last year was really bad. Like 894 save percentage in his 33 games. I see only a 39% quality start percentage. So the majority mm-hmm. of time, if you're playing him on your fantasy team, he's a bust for you and, and blowing you up. So I guess let's start with him. Like Any sense of what went wrong with Corposalo? Is it just like the team in general, like you say, was having this tailspin and he just fell into it as well? Or is he like not as good as we thought he was a couple years ago? Yeah, I mean, you can go all the way back to Bobrovsky to see goaltenders who are good, but who benefited greatly from the defense that was in front of them. And both Merzlikens and Corposalo had to learn how to play behind a lesser defense, not just defense proper, but the entire five-man unit last year. So that impacted Corposalo's play. I think, you know, and I love Corposalo. I think, I honestly think I see all these teams saying, we need a goaltender, we need a backup goaltender. I'm like, I can't believe Corposalo is not in more of those conversations because he's very strong. Um, but he's not the number one, in my opinion. I think Elvis Merzlikens is. Um, and, and this is what Corposalo is. Um, he's, he's very strong in net, but he, his problem is he gives up quite a few juicy rebounds. So that's where, you know, the capitalization on the second chance is what usually burns him. Right. Um, but yeah, that Corposalo is what Corposalo is. If I had to take a goaltender from Columbus, I would take Elvis. Okay, yeah, well, I guess it sounds even more impressive then that Elvis had this 916 save percentage in his 28 games, even with this weak defense. So that's really good. And so, yeah, they should try to dangle Corposalo out. Do you think that if they do trade Corposalo, say, to Buffalo or Colorado, one of these teams that don't even seem to have a goalie yet, uh, is is Tarasov ready to come in and be the backup? Well, you know, this is, this is the problem. And not to be, uh, you know, sad for a little bit, you know, the plan was always to, to deal one of these goaltenders. And with the unfortunate events, um, Matisse Kivlenix lost his life um, at the 4th of July. He was slated to be the backup. And I don't think, to answer your question, that Daniil Tarasov is ready to be a backup in the sense that I think it's much better for him to be the number one guy in the AHL for the year, get that experience, and then come up. He has a ton of promise and a ton of expectations, but he's not. you don't waste this year by having him play backup. Um, so if they do trade Corposalo, I think then Columbus too would be out on the market for an affordable backup goaltender. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that um, because I think one thing that holds Elvis back is that when he doesn't know he's the number one, he gets a little in his head about it and that doesn't fa- affect his performance. Um, but if they do deal Corposalo, my read on the situation is they'd probably go out and try and get someone cheap and not elevate uh, Daniil Tarasov. Okay, well, yeah, well, we saw from Merzlikens that that during that run in 2019-20 when Corposalo was injured, he, like, yep. just was on fire. So, yep. yeah, it makes sense. And, yeah, that was so heartbreaking about Kiv Lennox, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but uh, with that, this has been like a really fun show, Allison. Like, thank you so much for coming on. The time has flown by. Uh, I guess before we end, I'll ask you the same question I asked you last year. And we've been asking the other beat writers. Uh, if you could pick one blue jacket that you expect to be like a big positive surprise next season, like kind of a oh, sleeper, or someone who people oh. aren't expecting to be as good as he'll end up being. And then on the flip side, I picked up someone who will end up being a big disappointment, or at least a bit of a disappointment, someone who maybe won't do as well as his draft uh, pick warrants. Okay. Um, this is, t- I hate this. This always makes me feel bad. Um, oh. my dis, okay. My discipline, uh, I'm going to say my disappointment is going to be Sean Corrali only because <laughs> here's why I think I didn't pro- even know to be excited about him until you told me to. <laughs> well, but because I think I, I don't know that he's going to be put in the best scenario. I think there's going to be all this finagling in the center of the ice. And I don't know how productive he'll be able to be with all of that. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Uh, Sean Corrali. Just because I think people, plus I think people are like, oh, new guy from Boston. They were good. That means Sean Corrali will be great. And kind of a, 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 a um, Riley Nash syndrome. I see. It's not because it's just you haven't met him yet. So That's it's fair. not someone that you know. <laughs> and he's, he's a local kid. Listen, I love the story of it, but he's from, he's from the Columbus area. But that's, that's my pick. Because the other problem with that question is there's not a lot of people 
to have high expectations about right. this year? I think I have an answer. If I okay. could throw it out there, Go, you don't I'm have ready. to like agree or not. I think Jack Roslovic is the answer because he had a, like a oh. 58 point pace last year. Okay, you know what? I'll, let's go there. That's better. He's also a local guy. I'm also now. I still feel like a jerk, but okay. Yeah, let's go, Jack Roslovic. We'll go, Jack Roslovic. Um, all right, and then biggest surprise. Do do do. Biggest surprise. You know what? Let's go, Adam Boquist. Oh, fun! How about that? Okay. Let's There's see my how pick. he does. Let's so see. when we do the part three of yes. our trilogy next year, I'll check back in. We'll see how, how that turned out. So yeah, Allison, thanks so much for coming on to Keeping Carlson again, sharing all of your knowledge about the Blue Jackets and a bit about the Chicago Blackhawks and all the other teams in the league. Uh, before uh, before you leave, like, do you want to just let people know how they can follow all of your great work? Yep. Um, best place to find me is on Twitter. I'm at Allison L and everything I write goes through there. And so if you'd like like to come check it out. Yeah, it's an obvious follow. If you're interested in hockey and fantasy hockey at all, you have to be following Allison. Uh, so yeah, thanks so much again for coming on. Uh, good luck to the Blue Jackets next year, but I guess not too much good luck because we want them to get a good pick in 2022. That's right. That's right. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. You, you're the best. Thanks so much. Have a great night. You too. Thanks so much again to Allison Lucan for coming on the show to cover the Columbus Blue Jackets with me. That was so fun, just going through the entire roster, trying to figure out what's going on this team. You know, big question marks all over the place. But hey, uh, as opposed to last season, like the hopes aren't so high, so now they could only make us happy. They won't be able to make us sad. And I think this team actually could be a little bit better than people may be projecting. Maybe they won't end up getting the high 2022 pick that they want, just because, I don't know, they have Voracek, they have, you know, we, you heard us. I guess it'll depend how good Boakvist and Jake Bean are, but I don't know, I still like Columbus. Obviously, it'll also depend on how the goaltending is. If they're getting this terrible goaltending from Corpusalo again, that obviously won't help. But okay, thank you so much for listening to the show, for being subscribed to Keeping Carlson. We really appreciate it. We want to thank you for coming along with us on this ride of our 32 Beats interview series. We hope you've been enjoying it. We've got another interview coming soon. We're starting to plan for some reinforcements. We need to pick up the pace here. We're a bit behind. The season is starting like in like a couple months. And we're only, what is this, like 11 interviews in? So yeah, Ben uh, from Short Shifts is going to be coming to some interviews soon. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you're subscribed to Keeping Carlson so that you'll get updated whenever we have a new episode coming. I also mentioned at the top of the show, Brian and I are going to be coming out with an episode soon, breaking down all the trades and signings from these past few days. So yeah, it's all happening. (laughs) Fantasy is picking up big time. Before you know it, it's going to be time to start preparing for your leagues. Uh, But okay, uh, I guess I'm going to wrap things up here. So speaking of leagues, uh, the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League is a league that we definitely recommend you join. And we're going to be setting up for that pretty soon. And the best way to just be informed to make sure you're not going to miss it is to become a patron of Keeping Carlson. So if you want to check that out, you go to keepingcarlson.com slash patron and that will redirect you to patreon where for just a buck a month you'll get access to all of our perks including access to our community where we're about to start uh, discussing the final rules for the cuckupful that will be starting pretty soon uh but okay with that i think i'm done so let's cue the outro music i'll go ahead and read you the credits which are as follows the keeping carlson fancy hockey podcast is supported by our patrons and presented by dauber hockey outro music by pat roach and logo art by brandonweeb.com i researched this episode mostly from elite prospects cap friendly frozen tools the athletic and of course the main crux of the information came from allison lucan you definitely want to follow her at allison l to keep up with everything going on with the columbus blue jackets and it's like a bunch of other things allison's just tweeting about all things in hockey and analytics community like really great follow so make sure that you get on that but yeah that's it for now we'll be back at you i think our next episode's going to be coming out on sunday when we talk about all the signings dougie hamilton Pew Suter, and everyone in between. So uh, until then, just remember that fantasy hockey is for everyone.